Hello, I'm Kristen McDonald, and thanks so much for tuning in to Second Vision. Are you blocked from giving or receiving love? Do you feel unworthy of love? Do you have trouble setting boundaries? Have you repressed childhood trauma? If so, my guest today will tell you that you could be experiencing symptoms of a love addiction. Robin Fertel is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She is also a certified parenting expert and she specializes in post-induction therapy, which treats codependency, addiction, and trauma. Robin has been on multiple news outlets such as NBC, CBS, and the Dr. Phil, just to name a few. Robin has so many mm-hmm. accomplishments, I couldn't possibly enumerate all of them, <laughs> including Employee of the, the Year Award two years in a row, I believe, at the Scripps McDonald Center for um, mm-hmm. Drug and Alcohol Recovery. Good yeah. morning, and good morning. It's so it's so great to meet you and to be on the show and to uh, educate your listeners about love addiction and codependency. Yes, I've been reading for the past 48 hours, you know, since you sent me all your information. It's really fascinating. And, you know, right mm-hmm. at the top, I want to tell people, uh, if they've just tuned in, that you have this wonderful YouTube channel. And uh, let's give them your website before we start talking. And you can go to Robin Fertel, that's R-O-B-Y-N Fertel, F is in Frank, I-R-T-E-L dot com. And if you want the course, you can go to the same RobinFertel dot com slash course, C-O-U-R-S. Okay, great. I urge everybody to tune in. It's a fascinating talk that you gave for about 45 minutes, and it's, it's just, uh, you know, filled with so many different things that we're going to talk about. So tell us, what led you to specialize in this area of love addiction, and, and what is post-induction therapy for those who don't know? Sure. So I, 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 that's a great question. I've been a therapist for about 18 years, and I've been in the field of recovery. Um, for about 10 years, I was just a regular cognitive behavioral therapy, and saw, and then I was also the certified parenting instruct, instructor. And one of the things I noticed with teaching um, parents how to parent their children, all these parents were coming in, with a lot of childhood trauma and self-esteem issues and boundary issues. And so it was very difficult for me to get across how to parent children if internally the parents were in a lot of shame or in a lot of anger or having a lot of addiction issues. So I started looking at these parents need help more than just learning and uh, from books or from um, the parenting class that I offered. Along at the same time, I was doing regular therapy I had a lot of couples come in and relationship issues, and I would say 50% of the time the issues worked out from regular therapy. Um, But I really started blending these two together and realizing that people in relationships were having a lot of um, fighting or avoiding, and the relationships were just such a struggle, and I was doing symptom-based therapy. And um, I came to read Pia Melody's book called Facing Love Addiction, and I was absolutely fascinated by the work, and I went through a workshop myself to heal some of my own childhood trauma and um, realized that this therapy was way deeper than just symptom-based therapy, and it was really getting to the core of emotional immaturity issues due to relational trauma. So that's um, how my journey began um, with this you know, core root therapy. Right, and, and you also mentioned that you had suffered your own trauma, right? You, you were, yes. were you born and raised in South Africa? Yes, I was uh, born in Johannesburg before apartheid was abolished, so I experienced a lot of war trauma 
and wow. immigration issues. Yeah, immigration issues, and then um, suffered from some abuse in my house as well. So I came out of um, that childhood with multiple addictions. I've been in recovery now 22 years. Um, and Congratulations again. Was thank you. It was in a lot of therapy though, and it was it was just treating the surface. There was no uh, structure to the therapy to where. Um, I would just go in and vent a little bit and feel better after the session, but it wasn't getting to the core of what had happened to me and how it affected me and how it was really destroying most of my relationships. Now, that's so interesting because, I, you know, that really caught my attention when you were talking about how symptom mm-hmm. therapy doesn't work. It's, it's sort of like going to the doctor and they give you a, um, an antidepressant because you can't sleep, but you don't really know why you can't sleep, you know, Correct. Um, or, Correct. or whatever it is, exactly. you know, that they give you to sleep. So, so mm-hmm. what you know, constitutes um, the difference for, you know, for someone listening, uh, you know, to compare symptom therapy to, let's just give a Jack and Jill example. You know, someone comes in Mm -hmm. and they have, you know, they're not dealing with the root cause. Yeah, so um, I, so let's just say someone comes in and in their relationship, they're constantly feeling disappointed. They're fighting with their partner a lot. The other extreme is not not being able to make relationships work at all and not having anybody in their life, right? That's avoidance. But more addiction. Lack is, of intimacy, the, right. The lack of interest. Yes. So they're addicted to the person that they're in the relationship with, and they have very poor boundaries, very poor self-worth. So they're relying on the other person, much like any other addiction, to make them feel whole. Um, and then they come in presenting with depression, like you had said, you know, the symptoms of not sleeping, anxiety, depression, uh, eating too much or too little, major intensity in the relationship or a lack of intensity, sexual issues, um, emotional issues. And um, so they come in with all these symptoms, but there is a root cause to why they're having these symptoms, such as if, let's just say, for example, a woman had a father that wasn't necessarily abusive, but he worked a lot, and he didn't have that connection with her. She will find herself marrying or partnering up with somebody who symbolizes her father and not understand why the pain is so deep, um, why she constantly starts feeling abandoned by This is just assuming that the person is heterosexual. It's different with um, if Mm -hmm. you are gay, it's more the same-sex parent. Um, mm-hmm. And so you project anything that you don't didn't have in your childhood onto the person, and as a result of that dependency, the the client starts getting depressed and anxious and has sleep issues. This is assuming there's no biological depression. Um, and then you know, like you said, they've gone to multiple psychiatrists or psychologists, and they've been prescribed antidepressants, but it takes away some of the sadness. But the main core issue there is low self-worth due to relational trauma from the opposite sex parent that has been projected onto the spouse. Right. And how does someone, you know, face that, let's say they're 50 years old and and they're, you know, 40, 50, they're in midlife or past midlife and and they Mm -hmm. they just can't figure out why nothing's going right and they keep repeated patterns, you know. I mean, Freud would have a, a good time with that. But, yeah. um, you know, what do they do then? I mean, is it that it must be very difficult at that age if you don't have that much insight to look back and say, I mean, you say anything from 1 to 18 that didn't feel nurturing, yeah. 18 years of age, is mm-hmm. considered uh, 
what was the term you used? Trauma or, trauma, or which not is nurturing? Anything less than nurturing. Yes. 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 Exactly. So what you just brought up was a really good point, though, because um, the older we get, the more stuck in our patterns, right, in our thought yes. systems, and the more used to we get in resolving problems by fighting or by avoiding or by um, using outside addictions to make us feel better. And so the, these patterns are reversible, but I've worked with a client as young as 12 years old, and the younger and the less time that's that's gone on is easier to work with that person to get out of the pattern. But at of the course. same time, I've worked with, you know, 72, 75-year-old married couple that have been fighting for 30 years, hated each other on the brink of divorce, and they had just, they really did blame the other person. And so the, the whole point of the therapy is to take full responsibility for yourself and really mm-hmm. do a deep, 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 deep inward journey. And like you said, being able to recognize these long patterns um, mm-hmm. that have been withstanding for your whole life and get to the blind spots that you can't see you know, that a person can't see because they've been in this rat race of the same pattern over and over, whether it's with the same person, different people, or they get to a point where they just avoid relationships, at least romantically, altogether because they just gave right. up. Right. Right. And then I guess it's a matter of it's an individual case, you know, whether you, you build self-esteem mm-hmm. or you work on forgiveness, if it was abuse or neglect. Um, you yes. know, and, and like you say, building the core of your own personality, your own self-esteem, because that's where it all starts. You really can't be happy with someone else, but you can't give love if you can't, if you don't know what love is, if you don't love yourself. Exactly. And, you know, it's not about blaming our parents. It's just seeing where we had these experiences that we, that caused us to disconnect from ourselves and other people. And right. what you right. said was very true is that self esteem is very different from self-worth. Esteem Mm -hmm. is when I'm getting something from what I'm doing to make me feel better. Where self-worth is an internal um, knowing that I'm a human being and that I have a spirit or a soul and I have a purpose that I'm here for. And regardless of the mistakes I make or the trauma I've had or the weaknesses that I I have, because we all have them, doesn't make me less than anybody else. And that's right. part of what love addicts feel a lot of times is less than other people. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. a romantic relationship either. You can be love I've had parents that are love addicted to their children. They need their children to feel better about themselves, which is a horrible burden on kids. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, of so course. you can be love addicted. Anytime you feel less than someone else and you need their approval, you're in a love addicted state. And, you know, the um, this doesn't just pertain to romantic relationships. This can be with your boss. It can be a family member, right? It can be um, lack of intimacy in your relationships overall. Absolutely. With your boss, if you're constantly overworking and you're trying to please and nothing you're doing is good enough, you feel is good enough, and you're in a what we call the one-down position, and then you get burnt out and resentful at your boss, but you're the one that needed the boss's approval, and you're the one that became a victim to your boss, do you see? So as adults, unless we are real victims of crime, we, the therapy helps you see that you actually have choices in your life and that mm-hmm. you don't have to give your power away to somebody else 
and feel less than them in any situation. Even if you've made mistakes, you own those mistakes, but that you are right. no less than anyone else, regardless of what your weaknesses or your disabilities are or uh, that you are, you have that self-worth. And that is what, like what you said, is the core of the work. The first, yes. the first step. Yeah. Tell us about your work with Pia, Pia, is it Melody or how do you pronounce Pia your Melody. last name? Pia yes, Melody. Pia yeah. Melody. With my reader, um, I have to be careful and ask. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's okay. Don't worry. <laughs> um, Pia Melody is fascinating. She's been around, she's in her 80s now. Um, she trains She's retired now, but she um, trained me, and she uh, opened up the treatment center called the Meadows in Wickenburg, Arizona, and she really was a nurse and had a huge resentment against therapists because she was in therapy, and what happened for her, the same thing that happened, well, I should really talk about myself also, is that in the therapy, the therapist seemed like the guru or the one-up person, and she, you know, she, so she came up with a model um, called post-induction therapy by studying many of the different therapy modalities and the philosophy, you know, Freud, Jung, and Maslow, and it's a combination, gestalt therapy, of all of the, the therapies and combine them into post-induction therapy, which is an education of the core symptoms of love addiction and codependency, um, and then this inner child work um, that you do, we do with in person on a chair, which is more of a deep experiential work to heal the part of us that is feeling less than other people. So she's she's just a fascinating lady, and she um, she went into a a deep meditation and study and came up with this model, and um, and now trains or did train therapists, but she's now retired. What a gift to be able to work with her. I mean, I loved in your story, you know, that that was kind of your yeah. aha moment when you read her book and it changed everything. Mm -hmm. And she must have been delighted to work with you, you know, with all you've done, yes. you know, with the out there. Absolutely. And one of the things that I think is also her her coin, to, token um, educational piece about shame, and if you remember in the 80s, John Bradshaw, who was also family systems and worked with a lot of alcoholic families, is that shame and low self-worth is the root of love addiction and codependency. However, it is important to distinguish the difference between feeling worthless about something and feeling embarrassed. And we need embarrassed shame to modify our behavior and be respectful to other people, right? Oh, that's so true, so, to have, you know, some responsibility. and Yes, because our jobs as parents, if our kids walk into a restaurant and they're loud and, and, and they're disruptive, is to say, hey, you know what, you need to, you know, be aware of what other people are doing. You can't disrupt them. This is kind of embarrassing. That's very different than shaming a child and, and, and making them feel worthless because they made loud noises. Mm -hmm. And so as adults, mm -hmm. as adults, we have to understand that shame is, Part of the human experience is what helps us modify our behavior. It's embarrassment. However, when we start feeling worthless about being human, and then we need the person that we are feeling worthless towards their approval, then we're in a codependency, love-addicted state, and we're actually worshiping that person. Right. You know, and then there comes a point, too, at which you just have to stop blaming your parents. I mean, the parents are all human. You know, we all go through this. Yes. We all have different patterns, whether one parent worked and, 
you know, was or right. had a depression or had an alcohol problem, or you get to a certain age where some people are still, you know, the playing the the victim, you know, the blame game. Correct. That's part of um, what people say a lot. They say, oh, you know, I don't want to blame my parents. And, and from my personal experience and taking people through this work for many, many years now, my relationship with my parents got much better after I went through this because I stopped seeing myself as a victim to my circumstance and started seeing mm-hmm. their humanness and their their family of origin, their generational trauma that went up five generations. And I was able to forgive my parents because I took responsibility for my life. And so mm-hmm. it's really the opposite of what, you know, you think about going in and blaming everybody and coming out of therapy thinking everybody else is a narcissist except yourself. Right, right. <laughs> I hear quite often. And you keep playing that so, table. But, if this hadn't happened to me, right. you know. Right. And the interesting thing is when you're more vulnerable, and I know this even from having gone blind, but when you open yourself up to the world mm-hmm. and you, you tell people your secrets or things that have happened to you that have been hurtful, and not staying with it forever, but just sharing, you find <laughs> the whole world has gone through something, you know. Yes, we all come from these dysfunctional families in some, to one degree or another. We do, and, and what you said about going blind is that when you start um, grief, you like you mentioned in the beginning, you can grieve the loss. Mm-hmm. But there's a, yes, there the is loss. a gift. There, it's a loss and, and a gift because we start seeing that things that we can't control that we grieve end up being gifts. And yes. so some yes. of the, the most difficult things I've seen people walk through, including myself, have ended up being the biggest gifts. Um, and they say pain is the touchstone of spiritual growth. Um, Absolutely. Walking so, through adversity, right. being able to come out the right. other side, you know. I always tell right. people I, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to dive into the pool and be at the bottom. You know, it's sink or swim. You know, I want to be, be able to swim, want to be at the top. Well, good for you. <laughs> exactly. That is, that is absolutely. Or, you know, or the other thing is, you know, you want to swim. And let go and, and know that there could be a force that's helping you swim. You know, is this yes. work is really about, you know, surrendering. Freedom. And stop. Yes, it's freedom. And stop making people idols and things idols and money and addictions. And, you know, we've got so many addictions right now going on. Oh, that's that another are, topic. Absolutely. Oh, you named them in your talk. That yes, that's another show, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I was thinking, to, to add to that list, mm-hmm. shopping is an addiction. Shopping, our cell phones, overworking, yes. over-exercising, over-eating, yes. over-drinking, yes. over, 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 yes. over, over. Yes, and interestingly enough, Kristen, um, a lot of people are using outside addictions to mask their love addictions. So, in other words, someone goes through a breakup, and they it's not just like a breakup. They feel like they're going to die without the person, or they're right. feeling so neglected in their relationship um, that they end up drinking or using prescription, you know, the opioid addiction is huge, or shopping, like you said, or eating yeah. too much, to mask the core the core addiction of I don't feel loved and I'm unable or I'm not emotionally mature enough to be able to give love to the people around me. Therefore, I'm inadequate. Now I'm depressed and anxious, so I'm going to go and medicate my pain. Right. And there's always that fear that no one can replace that relationship, you know. Exactly. That that the loss is so deep, you know, the pain is so deep. 
the pain is so deep because it's it's hitting a core wound of feeling abandoned or neglected or not good enough for a parent. And so mm-hmm. it becomes mm-hmm. not about a breakup. It becomes about relational trauma and compounding trauma. So it's opening up mm-hmm. a wound that never was healed from childhood. So it's really about very gently going in and reparenting the client, right, the person, so that they can start reparenting themselves and give themselves the love and the affirmation and the boundaries um, and the and the and everything that they didn't get to themselves because we tend to parent ourselves the way we were parented. So right. You grow up with criticism. Right. You're going to criticize yourself more likely. Yeah. I loved the uh, the part when you were talking to your daughter, you know, in your YouTube video. Yes. And just you, you made a point about how we all need to be heard in relationships. And my yes. sister, because I had her watch it, you know, she was a social worker, and, and she said, yes. I love that, you know, when she was a vegetarian. Yes. And go ahead, you can tell the yes. story. Oh, so um, I was actually in this piece of the work with Pia Melody because we do all this, you know, the big training. It's amazing how long it takes to for me and for me to teach people how to talk and how to listen. And we were on the listening part of the work. And my daughter was in third grade at the time. And she was very, she came in the car and she was so excited to tell me something. And she says, Mom, w- w- guess what? I said, what, Jaden? She said, I'm a vegetarian. And I thought, oh, okay, you're vegetarian in third grade. And she said, I'm only going to eat meat, chicken, or fish. I said, Jaden. You're a vegetarian, you're only going to eat meat, chicken, or fish. And she said, yes. She was so excited. I said, but Dave, that's not vegetarian. That's the opposite. So I was trying to explain to her. And the more I tried to explain the me being right and her being wrong, the more upset she, she became. And then I remembered, you know what, Robin? She's eventually going to learn what a vegetarian is. Get out of the control drama with her right now and listen to her. So I just simply reflected back to her what she told me. I said, David, you are now a vegetarian, and you will only eat meat, chicken, and fish. And she said, yes. Yes, Mom. She had this huge smile on her face, and I never heard about it again. And we went home. I love it. Huge salad. <laughs> she just needed to be heard. Well, it's about de-escalating someone's feelings. You know, I had the author of right. De-Escalate, How to Calm an Angry Person in 30 seconds or less. Mm-hmm. He's the top mediator in the country, oh. you know, an attorney, and he goes into prisons and works with people. Fascinating book. And, it, he, yeah. you know, he made that same point about just hearing someone, even if it's not about agreeing, you know. It, yeah. Sometimes it's just about letting that person be heard, whether they're angry or they're just telling you a point. And sometimes you just have to just, you know, let them be heard. You have, you have to let them be heard and because when you hear somebody without responding or just being loving towards them, they have a sense of worth and presence. Yes, yes. And um, the the deeper the pain that somebody's telling you about, the less you say. Um, and so because the, listening to somebody is the biggest gift that you can give them. Even if you don't agree, you don't have to agree with somebody. So it's acknowledgement. Again, it's acknowledgement. And, and again, this is all... When I say this, I want to preface it by saying this is only in respectful conversations. In no way am I saying if you're being verbally or emotionally abused and there's boundary violations, you just stand there and listen to D. De- right? That's not, this is more about respectful conversations. Right, right. 
Mm-hmm. Right. No, just, just having a give and take and having some empathy and acknowledgement of what the other person is saying, of course. Exactly. So what's, let's give a 101 mm-hmm. example of a really great great relationship and one that, you know, you see over and over again or that you've seen in your practice that really isn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- what I see a lot of times is um, when there's value differences, so say people are together and they have very, very similar values, and but they're still fighting, right? Um, and they're either fighting or avoiding each other. There's That relationship should be able to work. Um, the part that I see that when relationships don't work is if you have very different value differences. For example, I've had a client that, that was, you know, um, engaged to somebody and they've been together for three years. And she wanted four kids, and he didn't want any. And they've been fighting about hmm. this. This should have been discussed on date number four, right? That's a complete right. There's Nobody's compromising on that. So no matter how much therapy they did, that's, it, that's not going to work. You see, so mm-hmm. what? spent a year in therapy over what? That's the, nobody's budging, right? So those situations are very difficult to work out. But when there are values... When the values are similar and there's agreements, again, the overwhelming pattern that I see in all this time I've been working with people is that they're either feeling less than the other person or better than. And when I say better than, they are very judgmental and critical of the other person, either internally or externally, and they're continuing to make the other person wrong. And the boundary violations and the disrespect first needs to be addressed before relationship issues or anything that we talked about regarding childhood trauma. When there's disrespect in the relationship, the relationship has a very hard time surviving. So we so that person is obviously not dealing with their issues and and letting them be disrespected, and they're they're in a relationship that is making them feel less than. Right. They're making themselves feel less than in the relationship. So, in, right. so for right. example, in a couple, the number one thing that has to happen if they're going to stay together is they have to stop trying to discuss issues on them by themselves, mm-hmm. stop with the disrespectful behavior like name-calling, ridiculing, sarcasm. You know, there's a whole list of them. And then mm-hmm. each person in the couple needs to do individual therapy to get to the root of what they're projecting onto the partner before couples therapy can begin. Mm-hmm. You cannot, it's very difficult to have successful couples work when you haven't healed your own stuff. Right, right. So that's very interesting. That's very common. Yeah. What, what's your favorite area that you've, that you've worked in? You know, you did so much with, with childhood mm-hmm. trauma and, um, you know, so many different areas. What, what's, what's your favorite area in your specialty? Do you have one? Yeah, I would say, um, oh, gosh, I love what I do so much. Uh, the, you can I tell. The, yes, the, po- the, the most rewarding and amazing part of this work is that I see absolute miracles in people through the work when they do deep-rooted therapy. So when somebody is really coachable and they come in and they're really getting a sense of self-worth, and they get better boundaries, and they're more in their own reality, and they're finding their purpose. And I see their children or their children's children or even nieces and nephews being affected by what they're doing. That's, you know, so I wouldn't say there's a favorite um, 
you know, person or issue that I'm dealing with. It's just that the the transformation is so so yes. amazing. The that success. Just, the success in them and, and them choosing the success because I can only um, I always tell people I can do, you know, maybe thirty percent of this. The whole rest mm-hmm. of this is up to how much you can, you know, take the coaching and do the work. Right. I just right. love it. I love it all. But back to your question, I just love it all. You know, I, I really love it all. Um, I just, I love seeing people um, get, you know, get into their purpose and their, their self-worth and really be able to love and be loved and just reinvent themselves to a second vision. To re- <laughs> that's, I love that. Yes, the second vision. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, we can feel your passion, and that's everything, you know, and with a yeah. for, it's everything in a good therapist, in a good doctor, in a good any profession. You know, if you don't have the passion and the purpose, you can't help anyone. So, so let's That's tell people way. about your online course and your website mm-hmm. a little bit, since we have you know limited time. Yes. We could go on forever. Yes, yes. This topic is so fascinating. Yes, we could. So, yes, uh, Robin Fertel. That's R O B Y N Fertel. F is in Frank. I R T E L. dot com slash course. C-O-U-R-S-E. It is a educational course. It is not a substitution for therapy. Um, and it is a seven-week online vi- course. And it's, um, you, it's not anything you read. It's because it's, you see me and you hear me. Um, so if you can't see, you can hear me throughout the whole time. And you yes, go just like your YouTube each- channel. Yes, just like my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you go through each course um, for seven weeks, and you do one module a week, and it's an hour and a half of the education plus the plus there's homework for you to print out. And then my channel is Robin Fertel on YouTube, or my website is. Oh, that's Robin awesome! Fertel. So when you're taking the course, yeah. you don't you you buy the course and then you take the course yes. yourself. Yes, exactly. Very and then you have that course. You have that course. Right. So I've got. You know, I ask people not to to share the sign-ins, but I do have a lot of couples that do it together. Um, I was going to ask that. It sounds like something that would be great to do with a friend, a sister, a boyfriend, a husband. Yes, or children also. Mm-hmm, right, um, or, or children, of course, yeah. Yes, the adults, you know, more like 12 and above. So, yeah, right, it's, it's right. a whole education on how to, to be mature because people need to, need to learn how to talk, how to listen, how to have self-worth, how to not mm-hmm. bring so much intensity to the relationship, how to mm-hmm. be more loving. You know, we need to know how, not just why. We need the how. Right. Right. Fascinating. Well, I can't yeah. thank you enough, Robin, for sharing you all too. your insight and wisdom this morning with our listeners. And I urge Absolutely. everybody out there to go to the YouTube channel to start to get a taste of uh, a little bit more of the show of, you know, all the, the wonderful areas that Robin's worked in. And um, remember, everyone out there, that, you know, self-worth, self-esteem, like we talked about, are two different things. And if you can't love yourself, yes. you can't love anyone else. Yes. Everyone out there, have a blessed day. Yes. Yes, I like that. <laughs> okay. I'm Kristen McDonald for Second Vision.